Watch Nerds and welcome back. This is your host Nico and this entire month we're going to bring you several exciting brands from Scandinavia. So please stay tuned so you don't miss it out. The brand today is very exciting to me because me and the owner have similar tasting watches, namely durable purpose-built two watches that are basically meant to face zombie apocalypses but look sexy while doing it. The company is called Seligin, and the man I'm talking to is Leonard. Hello, Leonard, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Nico. Thank you so much. Leonard, I don't know that much about you, except I know that you're writing a book. I know that you play uh, Les Paul Gibson, Studio Edition, and you love your bikes. What else should we know about you? Is there anything else to know than motorcycles? Well, I guess... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm Swedish. I've been living in five different countries. Uh, I spend my time between Sweden and Norway, have some family in Norway. I, uh, I have a fairly active lifestyle, uh, do a lot of sports, uh, hiking, etc. And I love food, cooking and eating fantastic food, uh, especially in good company. That's you know, the best thing. And, and of course, watches. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, you've been into yeah. watches long time. What's the story there? The story, well, I, I, I'm the kind of guy who... Um, has been interested in watches since I was a kid. Uh, I could probably list up most of the watches I've owned. Um, I have a very clear uh, watch-related memory from the uh, from the year, uh, the summer when I started school as a kid. Uh, one of the older kids uh, down the street, he had this uh, Casio uh, data bank. You, you know the one with the with the calculator. I was oh I was goodness, so yeah. fascinated by that watch, uh, and I, I even tried to barter myself into getting that watch. Fortunately, not well. Unfortunately for me, not very successfully. Uh, so I guess I had something to learn also on that end. Um, I think my first proper watch was a Swatch, nineties, um, early nineties uh, Swatch that I got from my uh, from my dear brother. Uh, I love that watch. It unfortunately doesn't exist any longer, for obvious reasons. Always been fascinated with with, with watches in one way or the other. I, I think my interest in watches really took a different direction a few years ago uh, when I was um, uh, thinking about adding maybe another watch or a couple of watches to to my daily use. Um, being a one watch guy at that time obviously has a lot of advantages, but big disadvantage, especially with a lifestyle like mine, is that you you will end up having a pretty worn and torn watch after after some time and uh, I was just about to close the deal on a really nice uh, new watch decided to hold off and start looking to other brands and other designs that I maybe hadn't really thought so much about before and that really opened up the the rabbit hole if we put it in in, <laughs> in that context what watches do you like um, I tend to gravitate towards maybe not the most popular uh, models and the most popular brands. I've been a huge fan of Sin, for example. Not not everything that Sin does, but especially their pilot watches and some of their uh, divers. At, at one point in time, I had four different versions of the Sin U1. At, <laughs> at the same time? At the same wow. time, yes. I also, uh, I've also had a lot of uh, joy exploring various micro brands. There are so many really really well done and beautiful watches uh, in that realm yeah you have one of the rarest zin still in your possession 
yeah, as you say, a very rare sin. It's the sin blue one. It's a limited edition that came, I think, four or five years ago. And the version I have was only made in 35 uh, pieces. I don't dare selling it because I know I'm not going to end up having it again. So you've been longing to watch this now, and at some point there is something happened. Was it an event or was it a watch that make you desire to start your own company and making a watch? Yeah, let's go back a few years when I uh, started deepening or developing my interest in watches a bit. More or less at the same time, I I started drawing. I had a challenge understanding. I, I could easily understand, okay, I like this watch or I don't like that watch. But for me, it was more interesting to understand why. So I started to really analyze and dissect various, you know, design concepts, design elements, uh, etc. And, and in doing that, I was drawing uh, myself. Um, I would take a watch and I would change a design element to see how, how, how that works. And I very quickly realized when it comes to drawing and design, I, I was not very good. That happened a few years ago, uh, and I made three three key realizations immediately. I would say the the first one that was that, of course, if if I ever want to do this, which was very unlikely at that time, uh, I need to um, develop my graphical skills significantly. Uh, the second thing was um, I'm for me, it's all about quality. If you want a good experience with everything or anything uh, it, it needs to it needs to be a quality experience not only the design needs to have a high quality but also the physical product itself uh, i've had quite a few watches that i've owned myself and uh, really love in terms of design and and concept and everything but the quality you know a loose bezel or or or, or something else would really it left you wanting <laughs> it left me wanting and and it really made the watch spend more time in the box than on the wrist because it would be uh, it would not give the right experience so i thought if i ever want to do this it needs to be good or at least as good as i'm possibly or physically able to, to do it and then the third thing which was probably probably the most difficult was the uh, the concept it's not only about being able to manufacture and and design a good watch it needs to have you know this x factor this 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 concept uh, that makes it not just another brand or not just another watch or not just another iteration of something. So over the years, I've probably been through uh, 12, 15, 20 various concepts and a lot of them I've uh, discarded because even though they're great concepts, they're maybe already tried or somebody's already doing it. And uh, I, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to repeat what somebody else necessarily is, is doing already. That has been a process for over... I would say three years, which um, converged a bit less than a year ago, uh, where at least my rough ideas about the concept, I had some designs or at least some preliminary designs in place. And uh, I also started to have some good progress on the on realizing the whole the whole deal. Tell me, what's your company philosophy? What do you want your company to be known for in the years ahead? My ambition, at least, is that it will be renowned for very high quality uh, watches that give uh, people a very nice experience and the, um, uh, the unique attribute of being very dedicated to, uh, to, to Sweden. For example, all the print, all the text uh, on the watch is in Swedish. 
I don't think that has been done before, and that's that's deliberate. Okay, so maybe it's uh, it, it it the target uh, audience will be uh, not on a global level, uh, of course, and it's not going to be. Uh, that's also not not the ambition. It's, the ambition is to do something unique, I would say. I mean, there are plenty of other Swedish brands with all the text and dial and. In, in English, like most other watches. Yeah. I actually think that even on a global level, it will actually increase the the value because then it becomes even more unique because, I mean, imagine Seleguin in, in Alabama. You show up on a, on a local watch meet and who else have that watch? Come on. It becomes even more cool. I guess I have to reach out to my friends in, uh, in Alabama. In Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long time. <laughs> I just gave it as an example, but I mean, yeah, you yeah. get the point. The, the, the it becomes a very unique thing. Yeah, and I mean that's it. That's the answer to your question. If 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 there's something that I want uh, Selegin to be to be known for, it's it's that. Fantastic. Let's talk about the watches. Uh, I know that they're heavily Swedish and military inspired. Uh, t tell us about each of the watches. So far, we've progressed with two watches. So it's uh, a pilot watch dedicated to the Swedish fighter jet uh, Saab uh, J35 Draken, uh, which was in operation from the uh, early 60s until uh, uh, end of the 90s in, in Sweden. Um, the pilot watch has the same name uh, because it's dedicated to that airplane. We'll, we even have the airplane uh, silhouette on the dial. Uh, so it's uh, the dial is, is, is matte black and then the silhouette is glossy black, meaning that the dial will appear black. But for the person owning the watch, uh, he or she will be able to, you know, see the airplane coming in and out depending on the light at the angle etc the design is based on uh, what originally it was a, a bi-complex chronograph heavily inspired by the Blancpain air command from the 50s and the uh, Hoyer 1550 uh, from the 60s and 70s which was employed by most western european air forces at that time had to drop the idea of the chronograph well actually wasn't dropped it was it was suspended uh, we're gonna do the chronograph probably prototype it next year again but we had to drop the the movement that we we chose uh, very popular movement in the microbrand community a lot of microbrands are using it for for good reasons but i could not make it work uh, for me with my philosophy unfortunately i have to applaud you here for the way you handle that, the way you inform everybody through the contact with your already existing audience and that transparency and openness actually, I think, did you a favor. So you, you actually got many people on your side because of the way you handle it. Thanks. Um, yeah, I think that's uh, that's the way I want to live my life in general, be honest and open about things. Uh, for me, that was not a problem to be open about uh, the choice the consequences but also the, the reasons for why why the choice was made so in the end of the day i think there is a better watch coming now in january uh, with the uh, three-handed uh, drakken uh, it's based on uh, a very very solid and renowned movement Solita sw200 uh, it's automatic 
of course has the date function as well which is very useful uh, uh, things that we did right with the with the first prototype with the chrono the ceramic vessel the case everything is the same i'm quite positive that everybody that's uh, looking forward to to getting their version of their piece in in, in january are going to be uh, be more than happy Yes, you would recognize some of the design elements, the vessel configuration, the syringe hands, the printed uh, numericals. I mean, they've been around since the 50s. But what I think makes this watch a bit more um, unique is uh, the size. The bezel is uh, 42 and a half millimeter. At the same time, you have the trapezoid lugs with the 22 millimeter distance. Normally you have a quite narrow, uh, narrow lug width on these pilot watches. And then it's the flat sapphire crystal glass. Normally it's domed, even even hardlux. It's a much more useful configuration, I would say. AR coating on the inside. There's no AR coating on the outside that will uh, that will scratch or or get torn. Uh, ceramic bezel insert. Uh, so it's also going to withstand quite some uh, wear. And finally, the the BGW9 loom. Normally you have the C3 or C1 loom or old radium loom, but in this case, with, with everything white, uh, I, I prefer this kind of loom. It gives you this really nice turquoise blue uh, light and darkness. I will leave in the description a uh, few pictures from Instagram. I'll put links so people can see the, the loom from our friend Mika from Finland has done some nice pictures. Yes, he had uh, the one that you are having right now, the uh, the diver version, uh, Treod. Yes. Which in fact was designed before Draken. It came as a uh, result of um, me trying to compose my dream diver watch. So with the size, with the lugs, with the lug width, etc. Um, uh, etc. Et At that time, it, I didn't have the concept ready with dedication to, to Sweden so it didn't have a name and it didn't have this beautiful case back with the detailed embossed uh, trident so that came that came later you've, you've been uh, enjoying the watch for uh, for a few weeks now what, what, what are your experiences with uh, with the period so far there are several things I really really like uh, first thing is those lugs they're not too long like on my Lemania used to be they are very well designed. The holes are put in the right place so it, it flows with, with straps. They don't hang, which I've said already in so many podcasts. I'm fed up with, with watches that straps becomes an afterthought, even very expensive watches. Then the size, 42.5, feels more like a 43 because it's rather thick. But at the same time, design of the watch demands thickness. The tolerances... I applaud you for that, especially this bezel. I mean, listen, it's just tight, really tight, and there is basically no play. I like that the loom is adequate, the hands were well aligned. I, I told you that for a prototype, I was very pleased with, with the quality. Antiflective is good as well. Crown is adequate size, looks proportional to the case. If anything, I would want to see it on a bracelet because I haven't seen it on a bracelet. I didn't make friends with the strap, but that's something that everybody can change the strap uh, that you have is for Drakim. it's a canvas uh, canvas strap uh, for triode is going to come in a bracelet it's a solid link uh, link bracelet with a pretty sturdy diver uh, diver clasp 
Uh, and we're also trying to develop a nice uh, second strap to the trio. It might be rubber, it might be nylon. Um, still working on it. It will be released next summer, so still some time. Yep. Leonard, can you tell me about the, the fun and the struggle of, of starting and running a micro brand? Well, there's for sure more fun than, than struggle. Otherwise, I don't think uh, the equation would add up, at least not for me. Um, the most fun part is the uh, uh, is uh, engaging engaging with the watch community, definitely. Every time somebody uh, pops up with a question or a comment or, or a thought or whatever, it's it this this interaction is just fantastic. And of course, the response has been quite uh, positive as well. So maybe that's why I've been enjoying it. I don't know. Uh, the design part is by far, yeah. Uh, shared number one place with engaging with the watch community uh, when when I have time to just sit down and, and uh, play around with the, with the design it's uh, it's just fantastic it's uh, it's ex extremely fun the struggles there are quite a few uh, when starting a company from scratch there's always a lot of um, a lot of administrative stuff uh, that you need to uh, work through and do well because if you don't get these things uh, in place, then the rest won't work either. There are so many decisions that you need to take that you never thought you would have to take or even consider. For example, your question or comment about the drilled uh, lugs. The list of those decisions is more or less endless. Because if you look at the various permutations, if you look at the various permutations of a design, uh, it becomes exponential very, very fast. Uh, Leonard, you have big plans for the brand, and uh, in our talks, you struck me as a guy that uh, gets shit done. <laughs> Would you give me or give us a glimpse of the future? Would you mind telling us uh, any secret from the kitchen? W what's in the plan? So, the two designs that we're progressing with now is a pilot watch and a diver watch. I have some ideas about a third military-themed watch that we're most likely going to progress with prototyping soon. The Brakian, uh, the chronograph version that we'll try to prototype next year. It's going to be a much more expensive version than the original because of the choice of movement. So maybe we need to be a bit creative on paid pre-orders pre or something in order to, to realize that one. Um, and then uh, the one that's called Concept 3, which is a racing-inspired um, uh, watch that I also hope to prototype next year. It might well be that I proceed with doing that one over the uh, third military-themed uh, watch. Uh, let, let, let's see. It's, uh, it's a matter of time and resources as well. Uh, all the focus right now is on completing the first uh, production of, um, of uh, Draken that will come in, uh, in January which is a limited edition 100 pieces and then we have a version that is going to be non-limited that we hope to yeah maybe release in a year or so that's what's on the current drawing board yeah how is your brand different than other micro brands wow uh i i know too little about how other micro brands um uh, operate what their philosophies are. I think uh, there are no compromises in my case. So either I do it well or I'm not going to do it at all, uh, which I think 
you can see from the watch that you have in your hand completely dedicated to high quality movements i'm also not trying to do something that i think other uh, others will like or that i think will be a hit on the market i'm i'm doing what i what i consider being an interesting design for me uh, very well knowing that a lot of people are not going to like it or or prefer it uh, which is okay we all have different tastes what do you think about the microbrand scene? It has changed a lot for the last five to 10 years. I think it's very difficult to make sense of the microbrand scene. Uh, I mean, as you say, it has changed a lot. I think a few years ago, it was more driven by opportunists trying to, I don't know, uh, capitalize or, or get, a, get a fast success in one way or the other. So if you measure it by the number of uh, successful Kickstarter campaigns or projects, I think those are quite few nowadays. But I think the microbrand community is really developing in a, in a super interesting um, uh, direction. Uh, yes, on one hand, you have uh, those that do um, iterations uh, of, of other known watches under the homage pretext. That's never going to stop, I think. There's always going to be a market for that. Um, but what I think I've seen more over the last one or two years is that you get microbrands that do bold designs that stick. That you know the microbrand community, the 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 the, the audience really applaud this and, and want these kind of watches. So um, I'm very I'm very optimistic and hopeful about the future for microbrand watches. Uh, for those who are not into microbrands, uh, I could only warmly talk about uh, exploring this 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 part of watch community i would agree and uh, i've said several times that uh, yeah it's very saturated market and a lot of designs and at the same time i keep getting surprised by design coming in 2021 that i didn't expect like oh i've seen this but i haven't seen this and this makes me happy <laughs> Probably the biggest uh, barrier for people exploring the microbrand scene is their prejudice about the brands. Uh, watches doesn't necessarily need to be luxury brands. That's a very good point, man. That's a very good point. When you're not wearing Selegin watches, what are you wearing? Uh, there's not so much to choose from anymore because I had to, as I said, I'm not doing a Kickstarter campaign. Uh, I'm financing all of this myself. Uh, part of financing all of this myself was to sell off most of my collection. Oh no! <laughs> so I've, uh, I've kept three watches. Um, I have um, my go-to watch, with, which is the Tissot Sea Star. I think it's one of the most underrated watches of the last half decade or so. It's a great watch. I mean, if you just look at the specifications, it's very difficult to beat at that price range. Beautiful watch. I think I mentioned it on my watch Instagram account, my private Instagram account, um, that I sold my Tudor Palagos. And if I had to choose between the Pelly and the Sea Star, I would choose the Sea Star. That's a statement, mate. That's a statement. Yes. I, I've, I've thought a, a lot about this. I mean, both watches have pros and cons. Uh, and I'm not saying the Sea Star is a triple A plus watch. It's not. It has a few. It has a few disadvantages, uh, yeah. for sure. But if I had to pick one, I'd pick the C Star. I would. It it would be a shame not to mention the Sin Blue One, which I'm not going to sell. 
And then I also have a watch from a, a Norwegian microbrand, uh, Bragdur. I have their uh, the first uh, diver that they released a year ago. Beautiful watch. They're coming on the podcast very soon. A little bit sneak peek from what's coming. So we would have them on the podcast discussing their watches and understand very much why you like them. Lennart, thank you so much for coming on. I'm looking forward to see what the future holds, both for Draken and Treud, and for the brand in general. I'm looking forward to see the new designs coming to existence and to have you back on the podcast discussing them with us. Thank you very much. Thank you guys for, for listening and uh, please join us on uh, Apple Podcast with your comments and uh, rating. If you have any questions, uh, you can reach both uh, Beyond Horology Podcast Instagram through DM and our guest through DM. We're going to leave both of those on the notes below. And until next time, remember what's Beyond Horology is time and people. Respect them both. Goodbye.